Everybody take a seat if you'd like to. There we go. It's good to see you here this morning. I know the weather is, uh, is it's going to be interesting. So Pastor Ernie is keeping an eye on, uh, on as things, things develop and in case something happens, like in the next hour, uh, will let us know. Uh, of course, as you have phones, you will surely be, uh, be notified also. Uh, maybe everything will go off in unison and it'll be, it'll be like the holidays. Anyways, so let's, uh, we're going to pray and spend a little time in prayer. I uh, want to make you aware of a few things. Uh, one, we are continuing to pause our additional uh, smaller group gatherings throughout the week and are looking forward this coming week, not this one, so in another week, excuse me, to, uh, to gather back together to prayerfully consider whether it is the right time uh, with, with COVID and, and all, those, uh, all those precautions to return to weekly services, weekly morning, Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday, and, uh, and also Sunday school uh, small group gatherings. So still be in prayer, be in prayer for one another um, as, uh, as there's still some within our, our local body who are recovering from COVID, who are, uh, who are suffering through it, and so continue to be in prayer. Uh, also, as, as you're very well aware of Ida coming, uh, coming around us, uh, be in prayer for uh, the, the people in New Orleans and in, in the path of this very large, very quickly developing hurricane and uh, the potential there. And so uh, if you would join me in prayer now, um, this is a time for us all to pray, not just for you to listen to me and uh, just zone out, but to seek the Lord together. And to pray, seeking that, that God be with us now, and also God uh, be, with, uh, be with the needs uh, before us. All right, so pray with me if you would. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Uh, the opportunity and the time, the place to be able to join together as, uh, as a people who are not just in the same location, who live in the same general area, but who believe the same thing, who believe that you, Lord God, created all things, and that, God, you made things as you would have them. You made us, and that, God, you have also, as we have gone astray, that, Lord, we and everyone on this planet who has turned from you that, God, you have provided. You have come, Lord Jesus, and you have given your life on our behalf that we could be redeemed, born again, bought back, restored, and that by your grace have promise for life eternal with you. So because of you, we gather. Because of you, we come together and identify as a body of believers. So, Father, thank you so much. God, thank you for your grace. And, Lord, I ask that, God, you would be with your people scattered abroad, your people who are in different places in states around us, God, that you, Lord, would protect and provide. God, would you, Lord, take care of uh, the people in New Orleans, Lord, as you have created every one of them, and they each have value virtue of your creation, Lord. And so, Father, would you, would, would you preserve and protect? God, would you take care of us all through, through this storm as it rolls through, God? Lord, would you be with the, the people, uh, Lord, in our congregation who are dealing with, with COVID, who are sick, and have, have a variety, Lord, beyond that of, of illness, that, God, you would preserve and protect, that, God, you would provide take care of them. You would give healing, but Lord, would you help them, help them to rest in you, to rest in your eternal work of grace in their lives, that God, there's promise beyond now. So Father, would you be with us this morning? God, speak to us and be glorified in this time, that God, our hearts would be receptive to your word, that God, we would hear from you, and that you, Lord, would draw us to you. So God, draw us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.
Yeah. 
equipped to serve you, to love you, to show your love towards us. Lord, we love you. Amen. As we uh, are talking about our union with Christ, that's exactly uh, what the Lord intends for us to understand from the words that we were just singing a moment ago. Uh, that when we, uh, you know, when our life is over, finished our course, run our race, uh, that we can look back and say that it was Christ through me, not, uh, not I. Uh, union with Christ is uh, understood in the 15th chapter of John when he talks about him being the vine and we are the branches, the one who abides in him and uh, he in us. That one brings forth much fruit for apart from him we can do nothing. And so that's why we're talking about our union with Christ because I, I'm not convinced that we get the depth of what uh, that really means because we live in a physical world and we can't see the spiritual uh, and so therefore we, we tend to magnify what we can see with our eyes instead of what we know by faith uh, the just are to live how? by faith and so it re is required of us to take what God's Word says about the truth of this Christian life and walk by faith in it and expect God to do what only God can do and to do what God will do in our lives. I don't know about you, I feel a little bit guilty this morning, but I'll get over it, I guess. The guilt is I, I hate for the people in uh, Louisiana to be going through this. Uh, and uh, I don't want to feel good you know that it's not here but I do <laughs> and I guess that's the way all of uh, tragedies uh, are and what you and I have to remember is the hand of God at work uh, sovereignly that every wisp of air every raindrop that falls is directed by the hand of a God who has an eternal purpose behind everything that he does and while you and I can't see it and probably won't see it here this side of heaven uh, we will get to see in glory how all the pieces of uh, the wonderful mosaic of God's grace uh, works out in all the tragedies of uh, our human existence so we do want to pray for those that are going through this some of us have family members share, several of you have shared with me you have family members uh, that are in the path or near the path of uh, Ida and uh, I, I know it's headed, it uh, looked like last I saw directly for Homa and then would go over uh, Baton Rouge and so the people of New Orleans will, will be affected greatly all along that trek. It'll go up into uh, Mississippi and northern Alabama and uh, you know sometimes it's worse inland than it is uh, on the coast and so uh, some of you or somebody you know uh, may be going to minister over the next couple of weeks to uh, those individuals and we want to pray uh, that the Lord would direct those pathways as well. Uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, let's turn again to the fifth, fifth chapter of Second Corinthians uh, which deals with uh, contrast of the old and the new. And uh, we've, we've talked about contrast, and uh, th this is part two of the message, and uh, uh, I plan on a part three, okay, so just to let you know. There, there were uh, some more uh, points uh, to be brought out of the text, and so we're just going to look at two of them, uh, Lord willing, this morning. So I'm going to just read beginning in verse 10 this morning from 2 Corinthians 5. For it reminds us that we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word appear there is the same word that is used talking about the Lord's appearing. Just as the Lord is going to come and reveal himself to us uh, in the end, uh, we will appear before the, uh, the Bema uh, is the Greek word, the judgment seat of Christ. This is for the believer. This is not 
the time for uh, uh, separating the sheep from the goats. This is the time for all of the things that we have done in the flesh that are wood, hay, and stubble to be burnt away. And that which Christ has done in us and through us will remain as precious stones and gold and silver. And it will be to the glory of Christ. So he says, we'll all appear, we, the believers, will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, know the fear of the Lord, or knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. He's writing to the writers, to, to the readers here rather, that you understand and you know who we are. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So let me just pause. I hate to pause during the reading of Scripture, but, but understand Paul is defending not only his apostleship but the others that were with him against the so-called super apostles that they really had them in those days okay the celebrities and there were the, the spiritual celebrities that everybody was following and when they looked at Paul and, and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas and others uh, what could Paul show them? What is your reward for following Christ? You see the scars that I bear? I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. And so he is, he is having to help them to say, listen, when others are saying, why, don't, why aren't you following the superstars? He wanted us to be able to say, we follow Christ. We're following our Savior. So, he says, if it seems that we're beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And you can take the, that over into that context. And then he says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that is Christ, therefore all have died, all are spiritually dead. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no man according to the flesh. Now, again, to pause for a second. Uh, we regard people according to the flesh. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a terrible critic of people on the television set. I'll say, boy, their hair really looks weird. Or those clothes don't seem to go well. And, and, and Janet, my wife, will usually ask me, is there anything else you'd like to criticize about them? <laughs> we do judge people according to the flesh. And Paul is saying, no. We no longer judge anyone according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He's seated in the heavens. Therefore, here's the issue. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, even though we deserve it, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, and we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled unto God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray again. And so, Father, we do come, Lord, knowing that the critical and really the only 
criteria, the only source of uh, judgment is whether or not a person is in Christ or out of Christ. And uh, Lord, that is our concern about things that are going on around our world right now, whether it be the struggles that are going on in Afghanistan or the struggle that's going on with COVID or hurricane that's to our west or Lord whatever our own personal issues may be help us to know that our union with you being one with Christ through a a divine exchange where you take have taken our sin upon the body of Christ on the cross of Calvary and exchanged it so that we might can have the righteousness of God in him impact us in these moments that we have together for that which is essential that which is most important I pray in Jesus name amen and I, so kind of what is my goal this morning in the, in, in the message and uh, my hope is that when you leave that you and I are made uh, painfully aware again of the depravity of man. That man is woefully dead in our trespasses and sins and, and yet at the same time there is great news, not just good news but great news, fantastic news and that is Christ Jesus bore our sin on the cross of Calvary and it is essential that we see people through those eyes and that's what Paul is saying here. I, I no longer see people as uh, Pharisees and, and Jews and Sadducees and Gentiles and uh, Praetorian guards, the Roman soldiers, the Caesar. I don't see people that way any longer. I see people as either in Christ or out of Christ. They're either in Christ or they're out of Christ. And so the message is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The message is what Christ has done for us. Now, uh, last Sunday we, we looked at four contrasts. I'll just uh, uh, share those real quickly. Uh, our first contrast that we saw was back in verse 6. It said, we're no longer of this world, but we are of the world to come. That's the reality. Uh, you and I have the privilege of breathing heavenly air every day as we fellowship and commune with Christ. That's part of our union with him. Uh, we're not of this world. We're of a, a whole new world. Uh, a second contrast was we no longer walk by sight but by faith. God doesn't want us to depend on everything that we see. Sight can be deceiving. Uh, you see a rainbow in the sky. I see the end of it. Don't you? Try to catch it. Oh, it's fun, isn't it? I remember, you know, the other day somebody said, well, you know, I've seen a double rainbow. Well, I trumped that. When I was up in Banff National Park in Canada, I saw a triple rainbow. Okay. Rainbows are deceptive, aren't they? In that you just can't, you see the end, but you can't, you can't grab it. And he's saying, be careful. The things that you and I might see can be very deceiving to us. But God's word is truth. It's absolute, and you and I can depend on it. So we're no longer walk by sight, but by faith. A third is we no longer seek to please ourselves, but to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that's, a, that's a struggle that we face day in and day out. And then fourthly, we are no longer judge ourselves because we're not capable of a true assessment of ourselves because Christ is the one who is going to judge us. So, so really two words I want to give to you today, and the first one is the word condition. And I want to pick up in verse 10, um, where it says, uh, we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And he's talking about Christian people here, right? Because we're talking about coming before the the judgment seat that Christians will be there and what does it say about those who are in Christ we can both do good and evil you and I have not been totally delivered from evil we've been 
delivered from the consequences of sin, but we have not been delivered from the presence of sin, and we're struggling daily with the power of sin in our lives. And thank goodness that Christ has provided for the penalty of sin, which is ultimately a spiritual death apart from Christ. But we, we're living in a day when even Christian people can't live the Christian life. Only Christ can live the Christian life. And that's why we need to understand this union that we have with Christ. It, it is Christ in us, for us, around us. He is our, he's the water that our, our roots drink from. He is the air that we breathe. He's the food for our souls. He is everything that uh, you and I need. And, uh, you know, we're living in a day where it's hard to even get people to admit that we're bad or that we do bad. I mean, it really is. Uh, I, I, there was a survey that uh, the Christian Post uh, reported on, and I want to read it. The Christian Post reported that in a recent survey that over 60% of born-again Christians in America between the ages of 18 and 39. So we've got a select group. I don't know how many of you are in here between the ages of 18 and 39. But according to this survey they did, 60% of born, professing born-again believers believe that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. And that Buddha and Muhammad are also valid paths to salvation. You need to let that sink in for just a minute. Now, I would say those 60% are probably not born again, born again believers. Amen? I mean, I don't, you know, you can't. You can't believe there's more than one way. Because the way has said, I am the way. And in John 10, he says, if you get in another way, then you are a thief and a robber. There's one door, and Jesus is the door. I don't know if anybody watched me reading uh, or listened to me reading from Pilgrim's Progress uh, last Sunday evening, but I, I got one, yes. I, I just think I want to just read the whole book for you, whether you want to listen to it or not, okay? But in, in it... Uh, this week, I'm still reading through it. In it this week, Christian comes across two guys that they came in another way. And when the times got tough, you know what they did? They turned and they walked away. Because they came in through the wrong way. There is only one way and it is a narrow way and it is Christ alone. So we need to understand that uh, the condition of mankind is, is we are sinful and we are separated from God because of our sin. Look again in verse 14 of uh, 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. By the way, it literally means it's got its grasp on us. He's got a hold of us. Uh, his love has got a hold of us and we have concluded this. So based on the fact that one died for all, that is Jesus died for the sins of man, therefore we conclude all have died. Now, time and time again, all through Scripture, we are told about the sinfulness of humanity. You remember one of the schemes of Satan was back in the Garden of Eden? You remember uh, one of those uh, schemes was uh, the Lord doesn't want you to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knows that when you do that, you'll know what is good and evil and you'll be like God. Now, how, how delighted are you that you know what evil is? You know, I'm not delighted at all. <laughs> you know, the loss of innocence is a terrible thing. You know, I, I can remember a specific moment in time when I was just a kid when a great revelation was given to me about certain events that were told to me by adults were true and I found out that they were lies. They were mythical things. And I remember sitting on the curb with my best friend and we were sitting there and we were like, man, this has been the worst day of my life. The loss of innocence. 
I didn't know this really could be true. And then when we find out through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not only is it true about everybody else, guess who else it's true about? Us. And every time you and I determine that we're going to turn over a new leaf, as it were, we're going to start afresh and new. This time, I'm going to follow Christ wholeheartedly with all of my heart. I will not depart. I will not ever uh, disobey the Lord again. I'm going to show Him that I love Him. Those that love Him obey Him, and I'm going to do that. And yet we find out what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it is desperately sick. I can't even understand it. I don't know. And Paul talked about it in the seventh chapter of Romans when he said, I, I don't understand the good that I would do. I'm not doing that that I would not do. I find myself doing. Is there any hope? And the answer is only one hope, isn't it? It's Jesus Christ. It's our union with Christ. And so we're, we're not to understand that it's okay to sin. Sin has to be paid for. It was paid for by Christ on the cross of Calvary. And as God's children, we must do what? We must do what your kids must do. And your kid must come to you and do what? Confess. I did it. And I don't know if you, you know, I only have one child to raise. And so I don't know how some of you have three, four, five uh, children do it. But when your kid comes to you and they say, you say, did you do such and such? And they go, oh, no, I didn't. And you know what? You know in your heart of hearts, they did it. They're lying. And you say, you're not telling the truth. And what does your child say? Oh, yes, I'm telling the truth. I'm being honest with you. I wouldn't lie to you. And what are they doing? They're lying through their teeth. I mean, they're being as dishonest as they can be. And it's breaking your heart as a parent. But you have to remember that man is not basically good. He is woefully sick. We're all sinners. And what do sinners do by nature? I want to, I'm going to ask it again. Some of you said it. And the people online can't hear it, okay? What do sinners do naturally? Sin. I can't understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's not rocket science, okay? Sinners sin. And we struggle with that. And, and that's what this is trying to remind us, that's what Paul is trying to remind them of, we, we no longer need to see men and women according to the flesh, we need to understand there's a spiritual dynamic behind everything that's happening. We need to see them as either in Christ or not in Christ. And our only hope is in Christ, and even for those who are in Christ, we're going to be judged for that which is good and that which is evil. So it's a struggle. It is a struggle. So, uh, you know, how wicked can people be? <laughs> you know, it's, it was less than a year ago that Sally came through. Y'all remember? It came through our neck of the woods. And uh, uh, that's a part of the reason why I feel like, boy, I hate for what they're going through. But, you know, we had to go down and, and help... Uh, my mother-in-law with her house and some of you came and helped and how much I appreciate the work that you did but you know what I had discovered then or rediscovered then was what I learned back when Ivan came through and Katrina came through it's it's a most amazing thing to me that people can come in in a destructive tragedy like that and scam people and you know what's gonna happen after Ida has gone through the same thing. And why is it going to happen? Because we're evil and desperately wicked. Romans, 10, uh, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, It is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now that's a pretty depressing statement right there, isn't it? And I know, I know the argument is, well, you're not saying that everything we do is, not, is evil. And, and the answer is no. People do a lot of good. 
There's a lot of good things that are being done. But what God is talking about here, he's talking about the heart. The heart at its core is no man can do anything good. There is no righteousness within the human heart because of our fallen nature. So the depths of our sinfulness can plunge us headlong into nearly an unbelieving position as followers of Jesus Christ. We say, how, how could they do that? And the other question, maybe the better question is, how can I do some of the things that I'm doing? So uh, we are separated uh, from Christ, but in our union with Christ, we're united to him. And, uh, and so that's what God is asking us to see now let's read these verses again verses 12 through 16 where he says we're not we aren't commending ourselves again to you we as apostles aren't trying to do what I've already done but what I am trying to get you to see is that you brag about Christ in us that's what Paul is arguing for here when we are beside ourselves, it is for God. In other words, when the world looks at what we say and they say that's foolishness, it's because of God. It's for God's sake because the gospel to the world is foolishness. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are dying. But those who are being saved, it's the power of God unto salvation. So that's why he says but if it's the right thing, it's for you and uh, then he says we've concluded this that since Christ died for all all must have a need and what is the need that all people have uh, we need to be saved every every human being every boy every girl every creature that has been created by God made in his image is in need of a savior uh, Paul, as he was writing about the re resurrection in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, he reminded us, in Adam we all die, in Christ we're made alive. So our only hope is, is there. But the good news is, there is hope. Uh, and that is, God has uh, uh, said, I, your sin has separated you from life, but what has his death, burial, and resurrection done for those who are believers in Christ? It's brought us into union with him. We are united with Christ. And in that union, everything that he is, is now whose? Ours. Everything that he has, everything that belongs to him, is ours. So, God wants us to have a different perspective rather than just this physical perspective that we see each other uh, he wants us to see from a spiritual perspective that our goal should be to see every man in Christ so that leads me to the second point and that's the point of persuasion persuasion so not only are we talking about the condition of man being lostness but because man is lost, Paul says we conclude then we must persuade. We must persuade people. Uh, verse 11, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we do what? We persuade others. We persuade them. We try to convince them of Christ. And the reality is we, we don't do a very good job of it. Because, and we'll get to it in a minute, we're not fully capable of persuading. But there is this motivation within us to persuade. Again, verse 11 says, because of the fear of the Lord. Now, now what's he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that we will stand before God in a day of judgment. Knowing the fear of the Lord. I think as believers... It's incumbent upon us to fulfill the Great Commission. God gave us a mission to do. And that mission is to do what? To take the gospel where? To the ends of the earth. Now, your church body has uh, uh, prayer, uh, uh, care groups. And so every elder and every deacon has a care group under them. 
That's a group of people that they regularly keep in contact with, pray for, check on. I'm, I'm blessed because the Andersons, who are missionaries in Thailand, are in my care group. So I get to regularly check up with them and see how things are going. Things are going really tough in Thailand right now. They're going really hard in Thailand right now. And, and uh, they're being uh, uh, quarantined. Uh, the school is not uh, in face-to-face -face right now. It's all online. And uh, we know what that's like and what that does. It, it, it hurts relationships. It, it makes it more difficult to persuade people. I mean, if you're Zooming and they don't like what you're saying, what do they have to do? Unzoom you. I don't know if that's a word or not, but I'm going to make it up. You know, they just turn you off. Uh, but, but, but Paul is saying, you know, knowing that, that there is a judgment to come, it motivates us to persuade men out of the fear of the Lord. But there's a second part to this persuasion, and that is the futility of human effort. In other words, we can't fully persuade people. There is a futility about what we can do. First um, Peter 4.18 says that if the righteous are scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? There's no hope. You know, I don't know if you struggle with uh, your standing in Christ, but I would say if you uh, bleed when somebody cuts you, you have struggles every once in a while about your standing in Christ. And that is, you know you've been saved, you know you've been born again, but every once in a while there are things that happen in your life, things that go through your mind, ac actions that you do, words that come out of your mouth that you go, wait a minute, Christians don't do that. Am I really His? And that's what Peter is referring to. If the, if the children of God are barely saved and we are saved by grace alone in Christ alone what, what, what is the hope for a person who's not in Christ there is no hope so we, we persuade people because of the futility of getting to heaven Mohammed can't get you there alright Buddha can't get you there uh, there is no other way apart from Christ and uh, we need to understand that uh, People's eyes are blind, and who is the only one that can open the blind eyes? And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, Paul had just previously stated in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, and if our gospel is veiled, if and it is, time and time again, it's veiled. If it is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in the case in their case, the God of this world, and who do we understand that to be? Satan, right? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. So as we're persuading, we're not going, listen, you need to join our church. we got a great church. We have a great program. We've got wonderful people. And uh, they're spiritually minded. And I, I don't know a, a more loving congregation than our church. Uh, we've got a great young singer uh, that leads us. got a great band that's up here that plays. And we're not going to talk about the preaching. But, uh, you know, we could do that. But what does Paul, he's saying, no, we don't proclaim ourselves, but Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ as Lord and we are your servants for Jesus' sake. So we persuade men because of the futility of being able to get to God apart from Christ. But the third thing is a faithfulness of sharing the gospel. So we're to persuade men and God is calling us to see things differently and to know that we can't convince people, but there is one who does. So we faithfully share the gospel.
And that's what Paul did. And that's what I'm to do. And that's what you are to do in our day. Uh, remember when Paul was at Corinth, Acts 18 verse 4 records this. When Paul was at Corinth, remember Corinth was a very wicked city. It uh, was Bourbon Street of New Orleans all over again. And uh, it says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. And what did he do? And tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. It, it, it was Paul's mission to try to persuade people to come to Christ. Now some of us have given up on that. And I say when we've given up on that, we, we're sinning against the Holy God. Because God has called us to know that because of the terror of the Lord, what should we be doing? Persuading men. Thinking we can somehow win somebody over? No. Because we can't. But if we share the gospel like Paul did, he did it at Corinth. Acts 19 records he did it at Ephesus. It says, and he entered the synagogue and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning, and here's our word again, persuading them about the kingdom of God. That's what he did. Well, Paul was a preacher, and so that's what he should have done. Well, Paul didn't go to seminary. He, he, didn't, he didn't get ordained. You didn't call him Reverend Paul. They didn't call him Dr. Paul. Uh, Paul was just a believer who had been transformed by Jesus Christ, and God sends him out to persuade others. He does it even again before Agrippa. Uh, Acts 26, remember, he's brought before Agrippa. Verse 27 says, and says, he says to him, Do you believe the prophets? Because Agrippa did believe the prophets. He, was, uh, he, he knew his Jewish history. He believed what was written in the Old Testament. And Agrippa says to Paul, Listen, in a short time you would persuade me to become a Christian? And it all depends on how you read that. If you put the emphasis on a different syllable, as they say, if you put an emphasis on something else, do you think in a short time you could persuade me to become a Christian? Could be the way he was saying it. Or maybe he was saying, in such a short time you're about to persuade me to become a Christian. Notice Paul's response in verse 29. Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. You see, in our union with Christ, we become united with Him in such a way that He will accomplish everything through us that He intends to accomplish. I'm going to say that again. Through our union with Christ, it is God's intent to accomplish everything through us that He intends to accomplish. And yet, sometimes we resist Him. And we fight against Him. And we say, Lord, but I want to have it my way. You see, true followers of Christ learn to please the one who has enlisted them in to his army. We need to understand that the truth is never intended to convey a passive, or this truth is not to convey a passive Christianity, but very extremely active one where we walk with Christ day in and day out, understanding that people need to be seen as either in Christ or out of Christ. And we need to seek to persuade them. Knowing that it's not our persuasion that will win them. It is Christ through us. And so there is a great activity that takes place. I've got a, my, well, my dog, uh, Caleb, has a good friend over at the uh, gas pumps at Sam's. We often go there and... Uh, and there's a man that works there that always brings treats to my dog. Thanks to, thanks to him, I, we have 
on the side of the vehicle long drool streaks all the way down it. Because instead of giving him a whole piece, he breaks it off in little pieces. And my dog just drip, 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 drip. His name's Toby. And if you don't know Toby, you need to know Toby. Toby's a great guy, okay? First time I ever met Toby, I did not look at him as the man at the gas pumps. I saw Toby as a man who was either in Christ or out of Christ. And so I saw it as my opportunity would be to talk to Toby because I'm thinking gas is cheaper here. I'm going to visit this place a lot. So I'm going to talk to Toby. And I'm going to talk to Toby about his relationship with Christ. And uh, it's been my pleasure to do that and to find out that good news, Toby's in Christ. And so every time that I go now, I was there yesterday. I wish I had not been there yesterday because there were so many people there. But I was there yesterday and we got to talking after my dog drooled all over the side of my car yet again. I got to talking with Toby about, uh, about the things of Christ. And Toby just lights up. He just lights up when we talk about Jesus. You see, God wants us to see every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every human being that we come in contact as either one in Christ or one out of Christ. And our purpose would be that we would see the impossible done. The impossible is you can't raise the dead, you can't make blind eyes see, you cannot make lame legs to walk. But Jesus can. You see, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And therefore, I, I, I want us to be encouraged to share Him. Jesus had a man come to Him that uh, said to Him, Lord, uh, how, how do I get to heaven? You remember? He's, he was called the uh, rich young ruler, remember? And uh, he reasons with, Jesus reasons with him. And at the end of the conversation, remember this man turned and walked away from Jesus because Jesus told him to give up everything that he had. And it says he went away very sad because he was a man of great possessions. And then yet again, Jesus tells us another story about two men. A man by the name of Lazarus. And another man we only know is a poor man. And the story goes that the rich man dies and the poor man is Lazarus. I got it backwards, didn't I? The, the poor man is in heaven. We see two men going to the temple one day. One is self-righteous. The other one sees himself as a man not in Christ and he cries out. And my friend, that's exactly what... Uh, being in union with Christ produces in the life of the believer. It produces someone who says, I see all people as either in Christ or out of Christ. And there's nothing I can do to bring them into Christ except to do what? Persuade them. And how do I persuade them? With the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some are going to be converted they're going to be saved. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be born again of the Spirit of God. And who's going to do it? My winsome words, my careful presentation, my eloquence of speech? Absolutely not. It's impossible. It's a futile experience. But another one will be saved. And it will be the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And God will bring that person into His kingdom. And just like Toby or whoever's name you want to add to it you and I will be able to have the privilege to be with them for all eternity in heaven and we will talk about the glory of God's grace I hope your heart is encouraged I hope you are reminded that we're woefully wicked and all of mankind is and our only hope is Jesus and that because of that, we should see every person through a different set of lenses. 
And that is not the physical lens, but the spiritual lens. Are they in Christ? Are they out of Christ? And we should be obedient to the Lord to persuade people to come to faith in Christ and knowing that some will and most won't. For narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. And broad is the way that leads to death. Now, we're not going to give a public invitation this morning, but I'm going to have you sit where you are and with your head bowed and eyes closed, give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord to the simplicity of the truth that was given to you this morning. So would you bow your heads together with me? And Father... You have presented so clearly in this passage of Scripture the old man versus the new man. The old person, Lord, is self-centered and self-righteous. And Lord sees people only for what they can do for us or what they have done in the world. Lord, I, I hear some people talk about they've obtain these great things because they've been so good and they've been so smart and I've heard other people say that they hope those that haven't been vaccinated get COVID and die and Lord we have all extremes that are present in our world right now and help us not to see any man anyone according to the flesh But help us to see everyone through the eye of faith. And that is our only hope is Christ. Lord, today there will be those who will step out into eternity. Lord, we would pray that it would be a minimal amount who will die through the storm or from covid Oh, Lord, from war in Afghanistan. But the reality is people die every day. And the issue isn't whether they're good or they're bad. For we are all desperately wicked. Our hope is in Christ. And help, help us as followers of Jesus Christ in all that we do, whether it be through our work, whether it be through school, whether it be through uh, things that we do out in the community, to seize every moment to see the impossible take place. And that is for you to raise the dead, to make blind eyes see, to make lame legs to walk to make unsaved people redeemed and heaven bound and so Lord we know that we can commit ourselves to do better but Lord it is only in our union with you Christ in us the hope of glory it's the branch abiding in the vine that produces the fruit and if that branch doesn't produce fruit it is of no value but to be cut off and cast into the fire so Lord help us to walk with you day in and day out moment by moment so that we are in the business of persuading people toward Christ again we give you thanks this day Our heart worships you for the greatness of your grace that is greater than all our sin. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope you are glad that you have come to the house of the Lord today. Those of you that were online, I guess we're we're probably offline now, but uh, you encourage one another during these days. Go home and be safe. And if you have the privilege of going and helping others over uh, in other states uh, during these next couple of weeks, uh, remember to persuade people to come to faith in Christ, okay? God bless you.